All right, so welcome to 2024. This is the, the first service of the year, as I mentioned in the greeting time, and I'm thankful that we can come together again uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ and, and get around uh, one another's fellowship and to get into God's Word. Uh, I wanted to start off, you know I love uh, questions, but what do coaches, commanders, and pastors have in common? This is where we're going to start today. I want you to, we're actually going to, I'm going to ask this question three times uh, during the, the service, this sermon time. I have, there are multiple answers. I'm just going to give you three of them. But I want you to think about what coaches, commanders, and pastors have in common. And I'm asking you not to shout it out. I'm going to tell you three of them. But there's probably 50 of them. I, I'm not sure. So I'm going to start off with sharing this truth, right? They are to inspire others. Think about it for a moment. Each one of those categories, coaches. I actually started I, when, I, when I was prepping for this sermon last year. Uh, I was going through the motions of thinking about what, what, what do these coaches do in the pregame? How do they do it? How do they motivate their players? Uh, so I went on to the, anybody ever seen the movie Rudy? There's a scene in there where he mimics the coach in the locker room, and, he, and he's very passionate. And I thought about showing the video, and then I said, no time for that. Then I, then I thought about uh, uh, the commanders and the ones that I've served, right, the, the different military commanders. And, and, and some of them are good at this and some of them are not, right? Some of them inspire to, uh, like, let's leave, and others inspire to action. And, uh, and then pastors. You, you know pastors. I'm one. You have three others here on staff. You've had many in your past. And, and we, are, we are called to come up here week after week and sometimes multiple times throughout the week. And we are called to inspire you. And I want to just share today, that's a daunting task. Uh, but I will say, I actually had the video clip of, uh, if you haven't watched the movie Courageous, um, at the, the, the last scene of the movie is, is a pastor. Well, actually, he's not the pastor in the movie. I think he's a pastor in real life. Uh, uh, I forget his name right now, but he's up there and he's, if you remember the scene, it's, it, Courageous is all about being a good dad, right? Where are you men of courage? And, and, and he says, who will, who, who will do this in my family? And he says, I will, I will. It's very impassioned and very like, wow, I wish I could preach like that. You probably wish I could preach like that. But I, I'm saying, listen, I mean, we're called to inspire and as we think about these three, I personally believe pastors have the hardest job. Now, you would expect me to say that, wouldn't you? I've never been a coach, and I've never been a commander. I've been a pastor. Pastors do not seek to inspire for a game or a season. Pastors do not seek to uh, uh, inspire people for a battle or a war. And although those are necessary, as people are... Uh, taking a, um, trying to live out the practice and, the, and all the practice after practice after practice as they're trying to live it out on the court or the field or wherever it might be. It's important for that coach to, to invest himself and to inspire those people. As, as important it is for commanders to, to invest in, in, in the lives of their soldiers and their commands, we have commanders who will lead from the front but their commanders are, are in the back, and, they're, and they're, on the, they're, they're, they're doing their job, but they're, they're putting people in harm's way. And, and although that's vital, pastors seek to inspire others to a lifetime of faithfulness. My job never stops. There is no respite. For a pastor, and I'm not talking about myself, I'm talking about pastors in general. You know the pastors that you respect. They're the ones that are in the trenches with you, leading in the front, leading behind, wherever they might be, but they're leading. But, but please understand, pastors are to inspire others, not for the moment, although the moment's important. Pastors are supposed to inspire for a lifetime. And as we begin 2024, it's a new year, and I'm thankful for a new year. I am actually very thankful that 2023 is in the rearview mirror. And I have high hopes for 2024, but I can almost guarantee you that 2024, that in this year, we will encounter difficulties, trials, uh, opportunities to exercise our faith as a church body to the glory of God. 
And as I stand up here and as Dave and Joe and Aaron are up here and as, as we seek as pastors to, to invest ourselves into your lives, as other leaders and teachers within the church invest yourself, whether it's the ladies and the ladies' ministry or, or Bible studies or, or, the, or the children's workers that are investing their, the, themselves into you or your children's lives, please understand, they're not just doing it for the moment. They are doing it for your lifetime. So the goal for today is to actually inspire you to faithfulness. Uh, I have a friend of mine. We, we joke about this. I call him a good friend. I'm a good friend? Yeah, yeah you're a good friend. Okay, so I just call him a friend today. All right. Uh, no, he's a good friend, but he, he, he identifies uh, Father's Day as Wackadad Sunday. I love it, right? What a great name for Father's Day sermons. Wackadad. You would never whack a mom, right? Mother's Day is sacred. Never touch moms. Only, ex- only uh, uh, encourage them and highlight them and appreciate them. And, uh, but dads, you know, let's whack a dad. No, I don't want to inspire you through guilt. I don't want to inspire you through some some negative approach. As we look at the text that we're going to look at that we just read, that was just read for us by Gwendolyn, uh, there's a lot of stuff going in there. I'll touch on a little bit of that, but there's a lot of negative stuff going on, but there's also a lot of really good things. And I'm hoping that as, as I seek to inspire you today, that you will understand, take this message in the context, not just this Sunday and not just this coming year, but there comes a time in our life believers, where we have to make a decision. We have to make a choice. We have to make a choice to honor God. We have to make a choice to be faithful. It will not happen by accident. And so that's the goal for today. So faithfulness, I, I came up with this. This is a Gregism. Please understand. If Feel free to critique it and all that stuff. But if this is working for me today, this is not a technical definition of faithfulness. This is mine as I'm thinking about the text, as I'm thinking about how we can work it out. I'm sure we could come up with a much more technical one. But faithfulness is the action that glorifies God. There's more to come. But I will say, this idea of faithfulness, when do we know that someone's acting faithful? Well, the same way a coach, we know a coach is good at his job or a commander is good at uh, their job. There, there's an action that has to be taken and it needs to, so faithfulness is an action. It, it, you cannot be faithful and sit there with your hands folded. My grandfather taught me how to twiddle my thumbs. I don't know what twiddling means, but this is what it is, right? And, and, and I, as a little kid, I would be mesmerized by going this way and then going backwards and forwards. And I'm like, that, you know, that's a nice thing to do, but it's not accomplishing anything, but maybe some momentary, you know, entertainment. Uh, but faithfulness is an action, and it's an action that glorifies God, which is motivated by having the right confidences and the right desires. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some things with you this morning, and I'm asking you to think through as I share them from my perspective. I'm, I'm asking you to engage in them and see how, it, how this strikes you, all right? Because I have confidences, and you might, I, I didn't say I'm a confident individual, but I have confidences, and, and here they are. See if these resonate with you. I am confident that God has graced me with salvation, had nothing to do with me. Oh, my word, we just sang that song, There is a Morning. You, if you've been here for longer than it, the last time we sang it, you'll know I cry every time I sing that song because it is my testimony. I was a dead man. I was a dead man. And God brought me to life, right? I mean, I, 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 I got to be careful. You know I'm a crier. Happy New Year. Um, I am confident that God has graced me with salvation. I didn't work to earn it. I am confident that God has changed me from who I was. Praise God to who I am. I am confident in my ability to fall short of God's best for me. Can you identify with that? Even as a believer, I know I'm prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. I am prone to fall short, to sin. And because I'm confident in that aspect of my life, I am confident that God is not done changing me to be more like his son, Jesus Christ. 
I'm confident that God uses the joys and sorrows of this life to grow my faith in him. Can you say amen to that? Joys and sorrows. They're coming in 2024. Newsflash. I hope there are more joys than sorrows. I really do. I, I pray that for each one of you. But I am confident that God uses both of them to mold me, to shape me, to, 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 to move me in a direction to praise him, to worship him, to, to lead others to know him. I am confident that God uses you, the people in my life, to sharpen me for his purposes and for his glory. I have not arrived. None of the pastors has arrived we are just local church members. We are part of this body of believers, and we serve the body as you are serving the body. Many of you are serving the body so faithfully. We desire to serve the body. They will serve the body. But in the interaction, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another in their faithfulness to God. I'm confident that God's Word is teaching me it's reproving me, it's correcting me, and it's training me in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16, we just touched on it. Uh, this, this, um, well, actually, I think we're getting into that this Wednesday, actually. This is the word of God. It's the power of God, his word in our lives. I cannot and will not ever try to inspire you apart from God's word. Because any attempt will be vain, empty. I am confident that the good work God has begun in me will be brought to completion in Christ. I am I'm confident of that. I hope you are too. I am confident that God will bring me into his presence when I die. I, I had to, there's many more we could fit in there, but I had to end it somewhere. And uh, I figured going to heaven was a good place to end it. So I'm confident of that. Are you confident of where you will go when you die? I mean, is there, is there some, some lack of confidence there? Because I, I encourage you that if you are to know Christ and to know who you were before you came to faith and who you are after, when you look at the testimony of God's faithfulness in our lives to move us from wickedness to holiness, how could he not follow through on the rest of his word? So with all that in mind, and these are the confidences I hope that we all can share, there's two that are specific to me that, that maybe you can agree with and, and we'll see, but this, this is more working towards the passage. I'm confident that God has placed me, he, me here at MVBC as one of your pastors. I am confident of that. And that is what enables me to persevere through the difficulties of ministry. But I'm just as confident that God has placed you here at MVBC to grow you in your faith as one of his children. If you are a child of God today, then you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we seek here to grow you in your, in your understanding of God's word and your practicing out that word in your life. And I, and I hope that that is what you will find us to be true and what will be true here at this church. So may our confidence be in God alone. May our confidence be in God alone. Here's a passage of Scripture out of Isaiah 26. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. This is talking about a believer, right? God is able to keep us in perfect peace because we trust in him, right? Here's the, here, as we were challenged in, in the text uh, that, that Gwendolyn read in, in, in Joshua, it says here, trust in the Lord forever. Not for the moment, not for the day, but trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. He's our foundation upon which we can build our life. And if you look back at 2023 and you say, I've, I've been through hardship. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen, right? Understand this. If you persevered as a Christian through all that, it is because God is the rock in your life. Whether you know it or not. That's a question, but I will tell you, God does not forsake his children. And he is sustaining you even now. In Jeremiah 17, this is a, a passage that I thought about preaching today. Because it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a two sides of a coin, so to speak. In other words, faithfulness and unfaithfulness. Uh, I, well, actually, two different coins. Let's talk about it that way. Right? Let's be clear. 
Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see, uh, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Not a pretty picture, is it? Um, not any of you have a green thumb? I do not. I killed a cactus in college. I just remember that was my last attempt uh, at that. And I'm saying that was my, that, that's the picture I have when I have it, is that dead cactus. Right? But what's the next verse say? Blessed is the man, woman, or child who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Notice that. It's not that my hope comes from the Lord, right? Although we say that, and, and, and I'm not saying that's wrong. But here, uh, Jeremiah is saying, uh, and whose hope is the Lord? For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat, heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Those are the choices that are before us. We can, we can be a person of faith or we can be a person of unfaithfulness. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Let's not do that. And I will say this, even in, especially in an election year like the one we're in right now. Let's not look to men, women. Let's not look to flesh. Let's recognize who's on the throne. And let's vote. Do you have confidence in God this morning? And I hope the answer to that question is, is yes. Did you find yourself praising him when I was reading that list of confidences? Again, I hope your answer would be yes. If it's no, then maybe we ought to get together and talk. With the right confidences in God, uh, he will draw us to right desires. I want, I want you to consider how this relates to one another. Our confidence is in God alone. And if that, if we are confident in that, it will lead us to right desires. Look at what it says in Matthew 6.21, which is we're going to be preaching here in just a couple weeks. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So a treasure is something that you possess and it, you desire it, right? It is, and you have confidence that your treasure is just that. It's something that's going to uh, maintain value. It's something that's going to see you through the hard times. He's saying, listen, where, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. They're tied together as we talk about confidence and, and desires. He says elsewhere in Galatians 5.16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Our confidence is where we find our confidence. If we are walking by the Spirit, we are exercising confidence in the Spirit. We're trusting the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to guide us, to sustain us, to, to lead us, and, 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 uh, and you know, just honestly... Uh, come before the throne of grace with the, with the, with the words that are, we can't even utter, right? He's coming before God in that sense. He says, listen, if we're walking by the Spirit, if we're having confidence in the Spirit, we're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. We cannot glorify God and, and gratify the desires of the flesh at the same time. It's impossible. So I have desires. Here are some of my desires. And again, you'll have your own. Maybe they'll coincide. Maybe they won't. I want to inspire you to faithfulness. That's part of my goal today. But that's my goal every day. I would, I would like to inspire you to faithfulness. I want to walk with you down the road of Christ-likeness. And I'm, remember, I'm asking you, can you say this about the way your desires are? Are you, are you desiring to inspire others to faithfulness? Are you desiring to walk with others down the road of Christ-likeness? I'm hoping the answer will be yes, right? And, and, and for many of you, let me say this, with the same reason I said earlier, I want to encourage you. You are doing this. I know you are because I hear the stories of people ministering one to another. And then I have the firsthand experience of so many of you exercising faithfulness to encourage me. It's happening, folks, and it's wonderful. And this is a desire I have, as I'm sure it is for you. I want to watch as God empowers you to do things which can only be explained by Christ's presence in you. Right? Those God moments, those, those moments where you're like, I don't know what I just saw, but wow, God just did something. 
And can we not praise him for it? I desire to watch as God does that in your life. And we should desire to see it in others. I want to see you shed idols. Idolatry is something that we have touched on recently. I'll say, I'd like to see you shed idols. It'll be, in a sense, uh, in the text as we focus on it. I want to see you grow in your faith. That's, that's the idea of faithfulness. I want to see you overcome the sins which have kept you from knowing the beauty of holiness. I know I'm not preaching a text right now, but bear with me. These are all Bible. These are all really biblical, theological things that we should desire. The, to know the beauty of holiness when the world says holiness is is, is stupid. Holiness is, is something that's mythical. It is, you don't have to be that good. You, you know, they don't believe in God. Why would they believe in holiness? But we as his children, oh my word, we should believe in holiness because it is the beauty. When we're a lost sinner on our way to hell, the things of, of life seem distant and strange. But when we come to faith, Holiness, being God-like in the sense of his char- uh, exercising or looking like his characteristics coming out in our life, those communicable uh, characteristics of God that, that, that he shares with us. To love is to be holy. It's beautiful. I want to see God become so big in your life and in mine, okay, so big in our lives that, that we will know freedom from anxiety, freedom from doubt, fear, depression, debt, pride, anger, sexual sin, covetousness. I tried to mix some of the really like, oh yeah, I, that's, I really want to be free of that. And then what do you mean? I mean there's not an area of our life under the much more category is every area of life belongs to God. And, and, and God somehow gets eclipsed by the things in this world. Faithfulness is, what, is, is the, it's, it's that action that is motivated by the, by the desires and, and the confidences that we have in him if these are true of you I, I would 2024 be a year where you would say I'm willing to trust God in these areas in a way differently than I have done before in a way deeper than I have done before and maybe I've never tried to trust God through these things why did I throw debt in there because it's destroying families I don't have time to go into all of it. But I will say all these things are destructive. And God is bigger than all these things. I want you grounded in the scriptures. I do. I want you serving in this church. I do. I want your singleness to glorify God. I want your marriages to reflect the relationship between Christ and his church. I want your parenting to produce disciples of Jesus Christ. I don't want you to just be good parents. I want you to raise up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that they not only come to church, but they are making disciples who can make disciples. That ought to be the goal of our parenting. I basically want what God wants for you, and, and that's between you and God. But your pastors are here to help, and, and I, I want to inspire you to desire these things. I want to inspire you to have confidence in God, because it is what matters in life. So what do coaches, commanders, and pastors have in common? This is the second uh, time I'm asking this, all right? Well, they inspire others by quoting past heroes. Have you ever noticed that? Right? In the locker room, you know, I'm not a sports guy, right? Whoever it is, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Commanders, yeah, I can get that. Pastors, right? We'll, we'll quote all kinds of people. We're going we're gonna to look at our own hero here in just a minute. But they inspire others by quoting past heroes. Who are these past heroes? The people who did it right. 
the people who are examples, the examples that we want to follow. And although they can be secular or holy, I will say, listen, we can be inspired to greatness as long as that greatness is, is, is based in humility and understanding our only confidence is in God and our only desires are those things that will, he would approve. But yeah, let's inspire others by quoting. So our, our, our hero this morning is Joshua. And you know the quote, right? Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Very famous passage of Scripture. And we're just going to take a few moments and kind of look at some aspects of it. Because if you've been a believer for a, a little bit, and I, I, I challenge you, if you've been a believer for just a short period of time and you started in Genesis, right? You may not be to Joshua yet. But when you get there, you're going to be like, yeah, that's what I want to be. I want to be able to say that. Just as that scene in that movie, who's going to lead my children? I will, right? We, 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 we're sitting here and we're going to say, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah! It starts now. Not next week, not, not after the service is done. It starts right now in your hearts and your minds. Is This is a choice that must be made. It must be made. Choose for yourself. So I, I say we see two choices in this, in this verse. The first one is the choice that's offered. Joshua's offering a choice. says choose for yourselves. He is at this particular point in time. Uh, he is before a, a number of Israelites, right? I'm not sure how many, and I'm, uh, I'm not going to go into all that background, but I will say this. Uh, oh, actually, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say this. Uh, we'll say that in a, in a second. But he's, he's before the, the, the nation of Israel, and he's saying, you have a choice. And, and this is where I'm, I'm trying to be careful. I'm not Joshua. As I stand before you, I'm not the guy who basically fought as Moses held up his hand with, her, her, with the help of others, right, and the sun didn't move, right, so Joshua could get the victory, right? I'm not Joshua. But, but Joshua has had a life that where when he speaks, people ought to be listening. And so he offers this choice to the Israelites, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. So it is a choice. But the second choice we see is the choice that was made. It's already been made. That's the, he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua didn't make this decision at this moment. This probably is the statement that characterizes Joshua's life. He's like, as for me and my house? His kids are grown. He's like 100 years old in this, at this statement, right? Uh, he's, not, he's not having any kids at this point, right? He's saying, listen, I have raised my family this way. Now, again, he's saying this is my outlook on life. This is my outlook as I go forward. Joshua did not become a hero of faith overnight. If we just step into this text and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, well, it started way back. When Joshua was not a hero. These words were spoken near the end of his life. And his testimony of faithfulness began in obscurity. There's a, there's a verse in scripture that just kind of says, oh yeah, and there's, Je there's Joshua, the servant of Moses. Moses' assistant, depending on what your translation is, right? He was an assistant. Yeah, he was an assistant to the head guy. He might, be, he might have been uh, the, the number two, or what, what are they, the counselors of the president. We might look at it today. I forget what that, what that office is called, but the position's called. But Joshua's testimony of faithfulness began in obscurity. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't have time today to walk through his life, but I will say this. He, he, is, he starts off, we're introduced with him as, as the assistant to Moses. And then when the tent of meeting is, is established and, and Moses, it's outside the, the community and Moses would go to the tent of the meeting and when he would walk in, the, the Shekinah glory or the cloud, the cloud would, would come down and would envelop the tent and, and the people would watch because they knew that, that Moses was meeting with God as a man meets another person face to face. That's what the scripture says. And then Moses would finish his time in the tent of meeting and, and he would walk to the community to convey what God had said. But you know what Joshua was doing? He remained at the tent. Joshua was a man of faith. 
long before he made a statement about his willingness to lead his family. We're not told about his upbringing, although we know he was a slave in Egypt. We're not told different aspects of his life. But when the 12 spies were sent into the land, it was only Joshua and Caleb who survived. Because they said, no, we will trust the Lord. And the 10 said no. And, and that whole generation, but those two individuals, went into, uh, uh, excuse me, but, uh, yeah, were wiped out. But they lived and they were able to walk into the promised land. So Joshua's testimony of faithfulness was nurtured in the midst of unfaithfulness. If you look at this text, he says back in verse 14, which is the previous verse, says, now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth. Right? I, you would think I'd be encouraging you in this sense, and that is the message, right? This is the message in the sense that to be faithful is to fear the Lord. It's to serve him in sincerity and genuineness and in truth, there's nothing subversive, there's, nothing, uh, there's no selfishness in, uh, in this type of, of reverence to the Lord. You are being faithful. He says, serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. This is Joshua at the end of his life. In one sense, it's his deathbed declaration. Serve the Lord. I've worked with you. I've served you. I've put up with your, uh, your, your difficulties. You've put up with mine as I have made mistakes, as, as Joshua's made mistakes in his own life and ministry. Listen, there were, there were a community, but he's saying, listen, as I'm getting ready to exit the scene, there is one message that I want you to understand is vital. Serve the Lord. Put away the gods which your fathers served. That's what he says in verse 14. Then we go over to 15. He goes on. It says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. This is, this is actually, I just want to point this out. As we think about the, the idea of Joshua's testimony of faithfulness was nurtured in the midst of unfaithfulness, so is ours. Our faithfulness is being nurtured in the midst of an unfaithful world. It's all around us. But notice in his world, there were God, the, they had the gods of the fathers, right? On the other side of the river and in Egypt. And he says it again. The gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, right? Before we came into the promised land... You, your fathers, the ones that disobeyed me, didn't trust me, the ones that died in the wilderness, you are their pro, progeny, you are their, their descendants, and you're going to get to come into the land. And some of you are, are, were old enough to see some of the mighty things, but you were under the age of, of, uh, uh, of the death sentence. He says, the gods which your fathers, and by the way, let's remember, some of these fathers were Joshua's fathers too, Right? Because he goes all the way back to Egypt. But then he says, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Unfaithfulness was not a thing of the past. It was a thing of the present in their time. There were people in the midst of Israel who were unfaithful to God. They were actually worshiping the God of the Amorites who they never knew when they were in Egypt. Unfaithfulness and idolatry is something that humankind is prone to. And if there's a new thing, there's going to be new idolatry. But he's telling these guys, listen, you need to walk away from all that. Get rid of all that. So to be inspired to faithfulness, it's helpful to know that our past does not dictate our present or future, right? The, the fact that, that, uh, that, that these Israelites and their fathers were unfaithful, Joshua's giving them the choice. And he says, choose for yourselves. And so if we want to be inspired with faithfulness, right? I, I want to aspire to do this. At the beginning of this year, I want to live for the Lord. I want to choose to serve him, to be inspired to faithfulness. It's helpful to know that our past doesn't dictate our present or our future. There's some people that are caught up in that. You might know some of them. You may have been one of them. You may be one now. Oh, but pastor, you don't know the sins I've committed. Oh, pastor, you don't know what I just did yesterday. Oh, pastor, you don't know. Well, you don't know. You don't know. But God does. And these people were guilty of, their ancestors were guilty of idolatrous worship. They were guilty. Some of them were guilty of idolatrous worship. And, 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 
and, and Joshua is giving them the, the choice. And he says, choose to be faithful. So it's also helpful for us to be inspired to know that others also aspire to faithfulness. It's not wrong. Now, it's, it, we're not alone in this. As you look at the text, it goes on, verse 16, so the people answered and said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. That is the right response at the right time. And, and I will say that all, well, although we know not all Israel was faithful, let's look at the cup as half full. There were people who meant this. They desired this. They were like, they were like, but he's saying, listen, you know, leave those gods. You're right, Joshua. We want to leave them. We want to forsake all that and, 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 and love the Lord. For they remembered their history. They, they, they know what God has done in their life, as we ought to know our history and what God has done in our life. He's brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, did great signs, preserved us in the way as we went among all the people through whom we passed. God did all this, and the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites in whose land we dwell. And yet some of them were guilty of worshiping the, the gods of the Amorites. So I'm just saying, as we want to be encouraged in faithfulness, you're, you're not alone. It is a lonely place to be the only believer in a family. It's a lonely place to be the only believer in a workplace. It's a lonely place to be a Christian at times. But you are not alone. God has children across the globe. We just sang it earlier. Let the nations be glad. Let's be glad. We're not alone. They declared, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. It is a statement of faith. Were there some hypocrites in the midst? Probably. But I will say there are many people who are desiring to be with Joshua and respond to the inspiration that, that, that Joshua was trying to inspire them with is the idea that God is God and he's worthy of worship and he's worthy of obedience. He says, they say that we want him to be our God. So to be inspired to faithfulness, it's helpful to know that God will use others to keep us on track. This is, I actually like this part, and, and God has used people to keep me on track. But notice what, what Joshua does here. It's kind of shocking. But Joshua said to the people, you can't serve the Lord. What, what is he saying here? It's like a smack in the face. Serve the Lord, he says. We will serve the Lord, they say. He says, you can't. What do you mean we can't, Joshua? We just, you just challenged us and we agree with you. He's like, no, you got to understand. It's not that easy. Don't just say yes because I want to hear yes. He says, you cannot serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. Joshua is reminding the Israelites that following God is not the easy answer. It's the hard one. It's the difficult one. But it is the right one. And he says, and again, we're in the Old Testament Right? We're not looking at after the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ where, where sin has, has been uh, dealt with and, and uh, there's victory in Jesus. Right, But, but he's saying, listen, you got to understand, Israel, you are God's people and he will hold you accountable. To be inspired to faithfulness, it's helpful to know that we will be held accountable for if we say we're going to serve the Lord, you know who's listening? God. He knows your heart. He knows if you mean it or not. And, and I will say that in this room at this very moment, there are people who are saying, yes, I want to serve the Lord. Not just for this Sunday, not just for this year, but for the rest of my life. And God knows that's your desire. And God will keep us accountable. Because remember, I said this earlier, that he who began a good work in me is going to bring it to completion. He who has begun a good work in you is going to bring it to completion. We're not dealing with the Old Testament uh, uh, aspects of this. We have been graced with salvation. God does not leave his children uh, um, 
just because they, they still sin, right? And we do still sin. And we will be held accountable. But it's a different form of accountability. But I will say, it's, it's nice to know, if we want to be faithful, that we, there is, there's something at stake here. We have an expectation that we must meet. And then we ought to be able to walk this walk in such a way where when we are held accountable and we are confronted with either uh, deception or sin or whatever it might be, that we come with repentance and humility and, 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 and turn to the Lord and, and say, Lord, forgive me for, I, I know there's people that struggle with asking God for forgiveness, but I, I, I pray for forgiveness all the time, but I'm in, the, I'm in the context of, Lord, thank you for the forgiveness that you've given me, but I want to demonstrate a, a penitent heart. I want to, Lord, help me understand how my sin is going to be lived out and, and how, to, how to deal with it before it happens. To be inspired to faithfulness is helping us know that we are going to be held accountable. Accountability is a good thing. If a brother or sister in Christ comes to you and points something out, receive it as an act of love. It says, and the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. They got the message. Okay, Joshua, we know it's not the easy answer. But we're still on board and we're still going to do it. So Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. We agree. We understand that accountability is a real thing. Now, therefore, he said, put away. Notice he ends where he began. Put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. I am choosing, and I, I'm asking you to choose to do this as well, to look at these Israelites as being sincere. Because it wasn't until the time of the judges, which is shortly after this, where people were doing what was right in their own minds, and, 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 and they, they demonstrated their unfaithfulness, of which Joshua knew these people were going to do. Not all of them, but certainly he knew the nature of man. And, and uh, so, but here we see... Uh, a hero of the faith inviting others to follow him in his faithfulness and their response is, we want to be those people as well. But it takes work. And our faithfulness is not passed down to our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. Faithfulness is the action that glorifies God, which is motivated by having the right confidences and the right desires. Are your confidence, is your confidence in God alone and are your desires in line with his word? And if they are, rejoice. And continue to walk that walk of faithfulness. So third time I'll ask this, what do coaches and commanders and pastors have in common? They are inspired by others. Now, I'm not going to uh, go to Texas Scripture. I'm going to share a story uh, with you, and then we'll close. I'm going to ask you, have you ever been inspired by a nine-year-old? All right, I'm going to tell you a story, and I'm going to try and do it without crying. All right, because she's in the room. Don't tell her, but she's over there. Uh, one of my daughters... Uh, we have this thing that we remember, this event in life. And I may have shared it for you. You know, we're, we only have a limited life, and we, so therefore the stories we share may be repeated, especially when you're behind the pulpit a lot. Um, but there is a story. I was deploying to Afghanistan in 2006. Uh, it was a busy day. It was my last day at home. Uh, we had, uh, uh, I think, a, a full colonel chaplain, a lieutenant colonel chaplain, stopped by the house and prayed with my, my in-laws were there at the time and prayed with them, prayed with my wife and I. My kids are there, and it, it's busy. I'm packing. I'm emotional. We're all emotional. And my daughter looks up at me, Natalie, and she says, Daddy, will you walk with me? And I was like, sure, sweetie. Let's go for a walk. And uh, we hold on to that walk. Because it was special. And in that walk, I'm trying to be the strong one. Right? I'm, I'm the one who is, you know, I'm the, I'm the dad. I'm the guy in ministry. I'm, I'm the guy that is going to war, right? And here's this nine-year-old girl, and she's walking with me, and, and she's scared. You know, dad's leaving. She's not happy dad's leaving. But then she, she, she just stops, and she looks at me, and she says, Daddy, you're the best Christian I know. I was done. I was done at that moment. At that moment, and um, that was inspiring. Because what do we desire to do, parents? 
Do we not desire to, to pass our faith on to our children in such a way that they will actually live it out and we will see the fruits of that in our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren? Is that not what we desire? And here, I, just as on the, on the brink of leaving my family for nine months, this little nine-year-old girl sticks one to dad. Hey, buck up. I'm sad, but you're the best Christian I know. Now, in hindsight, let's say her, she's not very broad life, right? She's nine. But I deal with everything with humor. Yeah, I'm not looking at you either. It's okay if you don't look at me. All right. But there was something that, that when, when it came time for our, her to get married to Chris, who's here as well this morning. Actually, two of my kids, Witt and Natalie, are both here, and their spouses, uh, Witt and Bianca, Chris and Natalie. Um, they uh, were not a great time, but there was, at Natalie's wedding, uh, you know, you give out a tie to all the, all the groomsmen, and she gives me a tie pin. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. I can tie pin for the new tie. And it says on the back of it, will you walk with me? Down the aisle. I was done. Then just last night, she has no idea when I'm preaching. I had already determined to ask you this question that's going to come up on the screen in just a minute. I had already determined to ask you this question. And she gives me a, a gift last night, which I won't go into. It'll take too much time. But it, it built on the words, will you walk with me? This sermon is three weeks old. I had already purposed to challenge you and ask you, do you desire to be faithful? Because I want you to be faithful. I want to be faithful. And I'm asking you, will you walk with me? Will you walk with the other pastors? Will you walk with your brothers and sisters in Christ that have this same desire? The goal for today is to inspire you to be faithful. So ways you can serve at MVBC, I just put them on here. We're going to go through quickly. But listen, build relationships. All these are built on relationships on this slide. Build relationships with those around you. Get to know the children in our church. Children, well, can I just speak to you for just a moment? I don't care what age you are. Will you ask your parents that question? Will you ask your siblings this question? Will you walk with me in faithfulness? Get to know the children. Get, get involved in a life group. It's not just a program. It's an opportunity for believers to walk in faithfulness together. Look to other generations for inspiration to grow in your Christian faith. That's not just talking to the young generation to the older generation. It's talking about our senior saints looking at little kids. Be inspired by them. And aren't we joyous who are in the middle? Actually, I'm a senior saint. But those of you in the middle... You get to be inspired by both the older and the younger. Pray for our ministry fair that's coming out. That's my way of announcing it, right? We're going to have a ministry fair. You need to be active in this church. If this is your church, you need to be active in it. So we're going to have a ministry fair. And we're going we're gonna to have opportunities not only for you to get involved in things, but for us to understand what you want to do. Maybe there isn't a ministry that we have that, that you are passionate about. Well, maybe we don't know about it because you haven't shared it with us or we didn't know there was enough of you that felt the same way. Such as a ministry to, to those who are caught up in the human trafficking. I know there's a desire in here for that to happen. I know there's a desire here for us to serve the, the, the community that is homeless. And it's not a social gospel. It's the gospel. Ways you can serve in MVBC. You can tithe. You won't hear me say it often, but I will tell you, you ought to tithe. And for those of you who are, thank you. But you know what? We're not supposed to be thanked for what we're supposed to do, right? It's what we, what we do. We don't, I don't get thanked for preaching. Well, actually, I do. I don't get thanked for doing certain things, right? I, that was a bad example, all right? Um, you don't get... You don't get uh, thanked for doing those things that are expected to get done. Hey, thanks for showing up for work today. No, show up for work. Tithing, it's a spiritual discipline. Many of you are giving above and beyond. Some of you need to give more. 
And I'm just, gonna, I'm just telling you, you need to. You will not believe the blessings that God bestows upon your life. And I'm not talking financial blessings. I'm not a prosperity gospel guy. I'm saying when you see the faithfulness of God lived out, when you don't have much, and you're like the widow in the two mites, and, and she gives of our all, of all, and then God blesses her, and Jesus says, she'll be remembered. You won't know the faithfulness that God will bless until you start giving. Give to support our missionaries. Participate in the events we sponsor every week. You know there are opportunities to grow in your faith on Wednesday night. That chapel ought to be packed with the level of teaching that's going on there on Wednesday nights. And I thank you for all serving in the children's ministry and teens and in, uh, in, in Awana and nursery. I, I know, I, I get, I'm not saying, listen, this, is, this applies to those who can be there, who should be there. This is not guilt. This is me being impassioned to say I'm motivated for what's best. God would have you to be under the preaching of his word or the teaching of his word. Last Wednesday was wonderful. There's so much happens on that Wednesday night, and you miss it. You want to you serve here? Serve by coming out and participating in the events we sponsor every week and participating in the events we sponsor throughout the year. We need your help with all those different events. Would you, would, you, would you serve an MVBC by talking to others about Jesus? I'm, I'm convicted of this own. I, I talk to people all the time about spiritual things. But I need to talk about Jesus more. Be willing to step out of your comfort zone and get involved in something that interests you and maybe even scares you a little bit. Get involved by reading your Bible daily. Pray for God's will to be done. Be a disciple of Jesus. Discover, believe, connect, serve, multiply. Those are those areas of discipleship that we highlight. Discover something new about God. Then believe it with, your, with all your being. Trust Him that it's true. And, and try to live it out in your life. And then connect with others so that others can, can grow by ironing, sharpening, by iron, sharpening, ironing. Iron, sharpening iron. And then serve and then multiply Christ's likeness in others. Those are the things you can do here. And so, so the, the goal, you know, the choice was given. Choose today whom you will serve. Yeah, I would like to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But I'll just say, that's the choice we tried to make years ago. And I see my kids living faithfully, and it's a joy. And all glory goes to God. Will you walk with me? Will you walk with one another? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to just look at a moment in time in Joshua's life. As he has lived his life in faithfulness and we can call him a, a hero of the faith, Lord, we may never become known as a hero, but we can become known as faithful. And our faithfulness needs to be lived out in our marriages and in our jobs and in our parenting and in our being a child and being a student. And, and, and Lord, there's, there's not a single area of life where we cannot demonstrate faithfulness to you. Because you are life. Everything we have. Everything we are. Our very breath is yours. Lord, may we walk in faithfulness and may, may we walk with others, and may we walk as a community, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.